Well, I want you to take your Bible and turn to a very familiar text tonight, if you would please. We'll go to 1 Peter chapter number 5 and verse number 8. I want to say while you're turning to 1 Peter chapter number 5 and verse number 8 that I do appreciate the church allowing Mrs. Ellis and I to be able to uh, be a missionary out of this church and for the faithful prayer and support that the church has uh, given to us over these years that we've been a member here at Bible Baptist Church. I tell folks everywhere I go, uh, the greatest church on the planet is here in Rossville, Georgia, uh, Bible Baptist Church and uh, here with Pastor Gravely. I appreciate very much your prayers for your support and then standing with us. If tonight, let me, if I may just give you one brief update on what the Lord's doing for the ministry during the pandemic. Uh, the state and federal prisons, military prisons, were pretty much on lockdown, not completely. And there were some states that, that remained open. There were some countries, uh, specifically in Africa, that remained open for the most part to our ministry. Uh, but when things begin to lighten up and uh, things begin to open back up, uh, we send a delegate of our missionaries, a team out to contact the state and federal facilities and the military to find out uh, what would be required when the doors were open in order for our missionaries to get back in, whether they were going to require vaccination or uh, other things. And so through that, a uh, long story short, up in South Carolina, we found out that there is a uh, new transition in the prisons, especially since the COVID era, that they are issuing tablets and iPads to all the prisoners and many of the states. And I'm sure tonight that many of you are probably thinking they're in prison, they're getting a tablet or an iPad, and I'm out of prison, I can't even afford one. But the Lord has a way of opening doors to be able to get the gospel into areas where sometimes we're not able to get. And through that, we begin to realize that with these tablets, uh, they are literally using them as an incentive for the prisoners. They have to go on and do some of their counseling and study courses uh, in order to gain points. It's kind of like their money system. They gain points for certain uh, things that they do on their tablets or iPads. And those points go into a bank. And then when they build up enough points, they can use those points uh, to purchase videos or movies or games or things of that nature. And with that, they also are requiring a religious app. And with that being said, they contacted Rock of Ages and asked if we would put all of our preaching, our discipleship institute materials on the apps for these institutions. We did that. And long story short, they're working with a company called Edevo, E-D-O-V-O. And there are right now 25 states that are issuing iPads and tablets to the prisoners. And we have currently, I'm not sure how long this lasts, but we have currently the monopoly on all the, quote, religious, unquote, app. And uh, so we're able to offer all the preaching, all the discipleship institute, and all the ministry to 25 different states now. And what that literally means is when we're going to prison revival, sometimes we'll have a few dozen to several hundred that'll show up for our meetings. And there'll be certain prisoners in the, in the institution we may not have contact with because of work schedules and other things. But now it literally means that every single prisoner will have access, with these apps and iPads are provided, they'll have access to the preaching of the Word of God. God's already using it, and so we're excited about it. It's not replacing our revival ministry, nor is it replacing our chaplaincy outreach, but it is allowing us to expand. And there's an old adage or old cliche that says, when God closes a door, he opens a window, or when he closes a window, he opens a door. And that's exactly what he's done for us at the Rock of Ages. And we bless and praise his holy name for his goodness. God always uses things for the furtherance of the gospel. And we're grateful tonight 
from what he is doing. Please pray for us at the Rock of Ages Ministries. I appreciate all those that are out of our church and various missionaries and the work that God's doing, and I'm very, very honored to be able to be a part of the missions program of this church. Tonight in 1 Peter chapter number 5, if you have your Bible there, let's stand in reverence uh, to the reading of the scriptures and to the word of God. And I would like to give you the message that the Lord has laid on our heart uh, this evening to be able to try to uh, bring the scriptures. It's a very familiar text. I believe that most of us are more than aware of this particular passage of scripture. And I want to go in a little different direction from Sunday. I've really had this on my heart today, and I've tried to consolidate to try to get it all in this evening. So if you'll bear with me, I'm going to move through the scriptures speedily tonight and hope that God will use some point and some aspect of this message to be of help uh, to the church and those who are here tonight. 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober, be vigilant, for your adversary the devil, uh, because your adversary the devil, as roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Our fathers, we bow before you tonight. I pray now that you'll help in this message tonight. May you bless your people and your church. I would ask you to be a pastor tonight. May you bless them and the family. Give them strength, the reviving, a refreshing. And I pray that you'll bring them back to the church with his heart of fire and ablaze with the scriptures and the Holy Spirit of God's anointing and touch upon his life to be able to continue with the refreshing. God, may that spill over into our hearts as a church, and I pray that you'll give him wisdom as our pastor, give him power, give him your leadership and your unction, and we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. I want to just entitle my thought tonight and uh, the direction I believe the Lord has led us for this evening, and I hope that I can give you some instruction from the Bible tonight. I want to speak on this subject matter, struggles that every Christian faces. There are several areas of our lives that everyone here tonight probably has battled with every single area that I'm going to cover tonight by the good grace of God. There's five areas, and I'll try to move through these speedily. If we don't get through them, maybe the Lord will let us, allow us to finish them some other time. But I believe that every Christian struggles in many of these areas. Uh, we struggle with doubt. We struggle with depression. We struggle with discouragement. And at some point in our time, uh, there are Christians that deal with every single aspect that I'm going to cover tonight all at the same time. I have spent many years studying on leadership from the scriptures to uh, secular writers to Christian writers and great men that God has used in the ministry over the years and some that have long passed away and gone on to be of the Lord. And I've tried to adapt their principles, their concepts, their philosophies into our own lives and ministry, whether it's administration or whether it is uh, dealing with organization or whatever would be the case. But I found that as I get older in the ministry, and I've been preaching uh, now right at 44 years from the time I started uh, in the ministry as a lay preacher, but I'm finding as I get older, all of these things are good. They help enhance a ministry to be able to organize, administrate, uh, to be able to move forward and set things in order. God is a God of order. Uh, he gave direction before uh, Adam uh, came into the uh, came in. He gave direction to Noah before the ark was built. He gave him the length, height, the depth, the breadth, and so forth. Uh, he always gives his people. He gave uh, Solomon, he gave David the directions and instructions to build the temple. He doesn't just give it to us and leave us to our own to figure it out. God is a God of order. And so as we study the scriptures, uh, I believe that all these things help us to be able to advance the ministry in our own personal lives. But as I get a little bit older in the ministry, I'm finding 
that the most important part and aspect of ministry is my personal walk and relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Without the personal walk and without the personal relationship, uh, there the rest of it really is void and in vain. And so as we look at this tonight, I want to give you these struggles that I believe that every uh, person deals with in their life. And the outcome of how we deal with these will determine to a great extent the next level of service that we will be able to accomplish for the Lord and the things that God will put us in as far as the ministry is concerned. Now tonight, I want you to notice that when I went through the scriptures and as I begin to study this, and I did share it recently with some of our staff and missionaries in an advanced training class, and so I'm trying to condense it for this evening. But I did in this study notice that there's one alphabet in the English language that seems to be used predominantly to, to basically express words that deal with Christians and especially preachers and things that we battle. They are, if I could put it this way, they're negative words. They're words that explain the condition of, that people go through when they get discouraged and when they face various things in their ministry and they're at the point of giving up. Let me just give you a few of these tonight. For example, the word damaged, Dangerous, distraught, disappointment, dysfunctional, disgraced, debilitated, disobedience, deceived, discouraged, despondent, dishonorable, declined, defamed, and the list is endless. I could give you several here tonight. And this is not all the words that explain a defeated Christian, but most of the words in the English language that explain a defeated Christian would start with the letter D or the alphabet uh, D in our English language. And so I want to deal with these tonight, and I'll give you four or five things tonight as time will allow. And these are things that we uh, face in our life and in our ministry. The devil, the Bible said, is a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And so Satan has certain tools, he has certain things in his arsenal or his toolbox that he uses against God's people. And I've got news for you tonight. He uses the same things against preachers. It doesn't matter if you're a missionary or an evangelist or a pastor or a youth minister or if you're involved in music. He uses the same tools over and over and over in the people of God. And as a result of that, there's all types of issues that churches and Christians are dealing with today because Satan is unfortunately getting the upper hand, not in every case, thank God, but in most cases. And so tonight, let me give you a few of these. First, I want to look at this subject matter, and that is desires. Satan will use our desires against us. Instead of revivals, in fact, we might want to consider meetings of reconciliation because really the main thing that hinders revival is a lack of reconciliation in most areas in most ministries across our country and around the globe. And much of that comes through friction that is caused as a result of desires that drive wedges between families and spouses and, and between churches and ministry desires. Satan will use their own desire to destroy and to devour those that have been saved and profess Christ. In the book of Proverbs, in chapter number 4, and verse number 23 through 26, the Bible says, 
Keep thine heart with all diligence. Mark that word diligence because I'm going to look at it momentarily. It really in this particular passage of Scripture, it helps us to be able to set the foundation of how we can maintain our heart, our integrity, and have a pure desire to do something for God and do something that would be honorable that God could use. And I didn't say honorary, I said honorable that God could use. The Bible says we're out of it, speaking of the heart, are the issues of life. <clears throat> put away from thee a forward mouth and perverse lips, put far from thee, let thine eyes look right on and let thine eyelids, eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet, <clears throat> lest all thy ways be established. Or let all thy ways be established. Now I want you to notice two words in this passage of Scripture tonight. And hopefully it'll help us with this matter of desires, at least ungodly desires. The word desire in this passage of Scripture, it literally refers to, and it's a general definition in Webster's 1828 Dictionary, which has the definition of words back when the uh, King James Bible was translated into English. It still carries over the original meanings of the English words. And so it literally means this. Steady application or con constant effort. And so literally the word diligence in this passage of Scripture, he said, keep thy heart with all diligence. So what he is literally saying is this, I want you to keep your heart with all steadfastness. I want you to have a steady application in your life. In other words, he said, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus the Lord. And so what he is literally saying is, keep your hearts by steady application of the word of God and apply it to your life. And so the word diligence is vitally important in the foundational uh, text that we're looking at uh, this evening. And then we find that basically... God is telling us to steadily apply the principles and the precepts of God's eternal word. So he said you're supposed to keep your heart with all diligence. In other words, set boundaries in your life and don't allow your heart to go outside of these boundaries. And these walls that we built are to be built according to the scripture and the divine promises and precepts of God's eternal word. And then we find the word issues. He said, for out of it, speaking of the heart, are the issues of life. Again, it deals with the boundaries of the border. And what, so again, what God is telling us is to build borders and boundaries in our heart so that our heart does not go astray and go anywhere it wants to go. In our heart, we are to study the Bible, make application of the Bible, apply it in our heart, and never allow our heart to overstep the boundaries of the walls and the precepts that we have set in our heart. It's when we overstep these boundaries that we get in trouble. It's when we overstep these boundaries and we allow our desire to take over the desires of the precepts that God has planted in our heart that we get in trouble. The Bible tells us in 2 Peter uh, chapter number 1, verse 1 through 10, and I'm going to read it all tonight, but the Bible tells us how to keep from falling. It literally tells us if you do these things, and he's talking about uh, having honor and purity and, and uh, so forth, and he's talking about the building blocks. And he said, if you do these things, ye shall never fall. And this is a list of the blo building blocks of these walls and the foundation that God wants us to build in our heart. And God said, if you'll build a foundation and walls in the boundary of your heart 
and build these precepts upon precepts and you never go outside of these, God said you shall never, 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 never fall. You know why we have so many fallen today? They have no boundaries, no precepts, no walls, and therefore their heart wanders everywhere, anywhere, all the time, and as a result of that, they are falling and throwing in the towel as a church member, as a missionary, as an evangelist, and as a pastor. I tonight could give you a list of, just off the top of the head, a minimum of a dozen pastors, evangelists, and missionaries just within the last two to three years that have lost everything, lost their families, lost their ministries, lost their integrity, lost their character, and lost it all because they had no boundaries set in their heart. In Psalm 51.10, David, after he had sinned with Bathsheba, said in his prayer of repentance, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Satan always targets the weakest point of man. That weakest point is desire. The heart is the center of our decision making. It's in the heart where sin begins to take root. It's in the heart where doubts begin to build. It's in the heart where discouragements begin to build. It's in the, ha- in the heart where all of these transgressions begin. And God said, build boundaries in your heart and don't allow yourself to go over those walls. And God said, if you'll do that, you shall never fall. I didn't say that. God did. Let God be true and never man a liar. The Bible says in Proverbs 4.23, keep thine heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. If God granted you the desire of your heart tonight, let me ask you, and don't answer it out loud, but if God granted you the desire of your heart and what's been on your heart in the last few days, weeks, months, or years, what would you get from heaven tonight? The heart is where The intellect, the will, the emotions of man are enthroned. It is in the heart that thoughts precede actions. It is in the heart that we must guard it because out of it are the issues of life. Judas is a prime example of this. In the book of John, chapter number 12, verse 1 through 8, Judas, just a few days before he betrayed Christ, was with Jesus and the disciples. There he comes in and breaks the alabaster box and anoints the feet of Jesus and anoints his body. And Judas gets angry. He gets angry with God. He gets angry with Jesus and the disciples. Why? Because in his heart he desires finances and funding and power and prominence. And this happened six days before Judas betrayed Christ and sold him for 30 pieces of silver. You see, the Bible says in Psalm 122 and verse number one that David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. 
Though David had sinned and transgressed against God, he still uh, came to the point that he built boundaries in his life insomuch in the book of Acts and the New Testament that God himself said that David was a man after his own heart. Sometimes we desire God's glory and God's blessings, but we're not willing to pay the price for integrity. Secondly, tonight, quickly, let's look at another statement in the Scripture in another area that Satan uses. Not only does he use desires, he uses disillusionment. The prodigal son is in Luke chapter 15, 11 through 24. And the prodigal son was disillusioned. You say, how so, preacher? Somehow he thought in his mind that the grass was greener on the other side. That the, that the world had more to offer than his father's house had. Somehow he thought that a waste of his substance with riotous, rotten living and worldly living like the world, somehow it was alluring to him. It became a desire in his heart. And as a result of that, he left the father. He went out into the world and he found out the world was not as good as he thought it was. Disillusionment. You see the word dis, it's made up of two words. The word dis, it literally means to be removed from. It means a reversal. Illusionment is when an illusionist will take something that is fake and he will deceive the eyes, the heart, and the mind and cause you to think, take something that is not real but convince you that it is. And so disillusionment is when Satan will use something in our life to make it look better than it is on the world's side than it is on God's side. But you mark it down tonight like the prodigal son, you'll find out Satan is a mastermind of disillusionment. He'll deceive and destroy. Marriages are often entered into with disillusionment. Relationships are often entered into thinking that they are going to be perfect. And then we find out the reality. You take the godless man or the godless woman on the planet earth and they'll have their struggles like everyone else. The godliest preacher, the godliest missionary, the godliest evangelist, the godliest Sunday school teacher, choir leader, church member. And I know of many preachers I've thinking about one tonight in particular, a particular pastor after 40-something years in the ministry. A transgression he'd been involved with in years in his life came out at the end of his life. And he had a large following of people that had committed to his ministry and supported him. And one preacher that had a large work that he had established that this preacher was influential in his life. But when this preacher fell and his transgression came out, that preacher said to me personally, I think I'm just going to throw in the towel and walk away. Disillusionment. Yeah. 
We need to be careful in our, not just relationships. You can go into a church and be disillusioned. You can go into a friendship and be disillusioned. It's just the way it is. It's part of human nature. But the problem is, when we don't build those boundaries in our life, and we don't build those precepts and the foundational stones of the Scripture, and we allow our hearts to stray and go outside of that, then Satan will use that disillusionment to destroy and conquer and divide, and he's a mastermind at doing so. Are you disillusioned tonight? Are you disillusioned and thinking, I'm just going to throw in the towel and quit? Are you thinking to yourself, this is not what I thought it was? You may be sitting here tonight and be thinking, Christianity is not what I thought it would be. You may be sitting here tonight and be thinking, this is not what I thought it would be in some area of your life. May I say to you, don't allow Satan to use the disillusionment to destroy you and conquer you and defeat you. Look up for our redemption draweth nigh. I want to read a portion of scripture that I referred to a little earlier in Matthew's gospel 26 and I'll begin in verse number 7. There cometh unto him a woman having an alabaster box, a very precious ointment, and poured it on his head and sat it a meat, or as he sat it meat, but when, he, uh, but when his disciples saw it, they had, watch this, indignation saying, to what purpose is this waste? This is the disciples' thought toward Christ himself. He hasn't even ascended into heaven yet. He's still, they are still with him. They're still seeing his miracles. They are following him. Peter has left his occupation of fishing and the disciples have sold out and they followed him because in Matthew 4.19, he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And now they are questioning the intent of the master. To what purpose is this waste, they said. For this ornament might have been sold for so much and given to the poor. When Jesus understood it, he said unto them, Why trouble you the woman? For she hath wrought a good work upon me. For the poor always I have you with you. But me, you have not always, for in that she hath poured this ornament out of my body. And, and I'm not going to go through all the scripture. If you go down to verse number 24, Judas is heat up with indignation. He cannot believe that this waste, in his mind, this waste was spent on Christ. And at the Lord's table, he is so eat up with indignation, he immediately leaves he goes and he seeks occasion to betray Christ. And you know why? Because he's selfish at heart. And the disciples thought that Christ was going to set up his kingdom and rule and reign on earth. But when they found out the reality that he came not to be a king, but he came to be a savior for the sin of the world. And they 
found that he, even when he said he was going into Jerusalem to be crucified and to die, even Peter rebuked him. They've come to a place of disillusionment. Now they're upset with the master and Judas in particular because Judas in his heart, his desire is to get more, more money, more position, more prestige. The heart of selfishness eventually becomes disillusioned because a selfish heart is never satisfied. That's why people get addicted to drugs because drugs don't satisfy. They have to have more and more and more and more until they OD. Alcohol never satisfies. That's why you start with a sip and end up with a glass and end up with a bottle and then end up with bottles and an alcoholic. Or a drunkard, as the Bible says. Why? Because sin never satisfies, and sin is a disillusionment. Judas was angry, angry for the waste, angry at Mary, angry at Jesus for accepting it, and then probably angry for being openly rebuked by the Lord. Judas, John tells us Judas was the centerpiece of the strife. You know why? Because he was a thief at heart. Judas wanted it all. We better be careful what we ask for. God might just give it to us. I made a general statement along that line in the prison here just a couple, three weeks ago. A lady came forward broken in the invitation. She told Mrs. Ellis, she said, that statement hit home and hit me hard in my heart because I got what I wanted and look where I'm at. By the time Jesus had identified Judas as a betrayer, he had already made up his mind. His heart is now open for business and Satan is able to use disillusionment to destroy him. He sells the Savior for the price of a female slave in the New Testament era. He sells him for 30 pieces of silver. But the money that had been so important to him didn't mean anything once he was betrayed. In fact, the guilt and the overwhelming consciousness, he went back and threw the money down at the money changers, and the Bible says that he went out and hung himself. The Bible says in Proverbs 20 and 17, bread of deceit is sweet to a man, but afterwards his mouth shall be filled with gravel. In Judas we learn that a single desire left unchecked will become disillusioned and will overtake an entire life. And there may be some sitting under the sound of my voice tonight, God forbid, that you have desires and disillusionments that have taken control of your life because you fail to have those boundaries in your life. And I don't have time to get into them tonight, all of them, but they're in the Bible. These precepts, these foundational stones. It's no wonder that Baptists are the number one converts of Jehovah's Witness and Mormons and other um, cultic groups. Because most, not saying here tonight, but most Baptists have no idea what the Bible teaches. I have an aunt that was raised up in a Baptist church. She was in a Baptist church for probably close to 50 years and just overnight became a Jehovah's Witness. Baptists are their number one converts. Thirdly, tonight, discouragement. 
Moses and spies into the promised land to spy out the land and came back with a report. And you know the story tonight. Ten gave a negative report and two gave a positive report. And so the word discouragement, again, dis meaning removed or reversal. So what it means is someone who is discouraged means that they have no courage. They have been removed from their courage. They are discouraged. Removed from courage, so they are discouraged. And discouragement is devastating Christians in our generation. We see what the government is doing. We see how the world seems to have dominance in our churches. And I do not tonight endorse in any shape, form, or fashion tonight the ministry that I'm about to speak of. To show you how the world looks at our church today, the churches across the nation, you know you're in a day when God's judgment is getting ready to be poured out on this nation. When three women can walk into a church publicly, Joel Osteen's church, and I do not endorse his ministry even in the slightest. So don't misunderstand what I'm going to say tonight. But three women just walked in in front of about 50,000 people and stripped down to their undergarments and used foul language publicly in the auditorium endorsing abortion. You know, you know it's a bad day in America when people have the audacity to do that. You know it's a bad day in America when people will allow things like that to discourage them and get them out of church. You know it's a bad day in America and Satan's having a heyday. And again, I don't endorse his ministry. But you mark it down. Liberal or not, conservative or not, doctrinally sound or not, God will have the final say in that matter. I remember some years ago reading a statement that, and it's just an analogy, that Satan was having a cell. In that cell, he had all types of tools, hatred, malice, envy, gossip, lust, and things of this nature laid out. They all had their price tag on them. And off to the side, there was another tool that cost more than the others. It was worn and torn more than the others. And this tool was titled discouragement. And someone asked him, said, why is this tool used so much? And why are you asking so much for it? And Satan replied, this tool is very valuable because if I can get in and get the door open with discouragement, all the rest of them are easily to follow and to be used. And one of the tools that Satan is using in our generation is discouragement. Elijah got discouraged in the scriptures. Peter got discouraged in the scriptures. We find that we need to understand that Satan is the father of lies. He is a liar and God never lies. And we need to keep our heart and our mind and our, our consciousness on the promises of God's divine book. And when Satan says, throw in the towel, it's not real. 
Walk away from it. Walk away from your family. Walk away from your spouse. Walk away from your preacher. Walk away from your church. Walk away from your ministry. It's not worth it anymore. May we remember that discouragement means be moved from courage. Take courage, child of God. Take courage, church, in these last days. Stand up. Stand up. Stand up for Jesus in these days. Joshua and Caleb were the only two. They said, we must go in, we must go up now. The giants are big, but we can take them. All the others, the Bible says in Numbers 14, 37, this is what happened to them. Even those men that did not bring up the evil report upon the land died by the plague before the Lord. You know what that tells us? We better be careful not only with our own discouragement, we better be careful about discouraging others. God takes it very seriously. And yet we find that Joshua, he conquered the promised land and Caleb eventually conquered his mountain. And the others died in the wilderness. Discouraged people can miss the will of God. In fact, most discouraged people do miss the will of God. Elijah eventually recovered from his discouragement and went on to be used greatly of the Lord. Peter did the same after denying Christ. Then I want to give you a fourth thing quickly tonight. Defilement. Satan will use defilement. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary say the devil walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. I don't want to get too graphic tonight but time would fail me to share with you some of the things that have happened in ministry over the years that I've been aware of not just preachers but Christians and some of the things that have transpired in fact in the prisons there are many missionaries pastors, evangelists Singers. I remember a man that was at the Missouri State Penitentiary I worked with many years ago when I was in training. I remember as I talked to him and witnessed to him, he said to me, he said, Brother Ellis, he said, I graduated from a Baptist college. And if I call the college tonight, I'm sure that everyone in this auditorium will know of it or at least have heard of it at some point in time. And he said, when I graduated in the ministry, he said, I was involved. I I did evangelism. I was used in youth meetings. But he got involved with a relationship outside of marriage. And he wrecked and ruined his ministry and his testimony. Because we have young people in here tonight, I'll spare you the details. But he ended up with 650 years in prison. And I cannot tell you the details of his crime because of youth that are here tonight. But he said to me with tears in his eyes, Preacher, you tell every preacher, you tell every missionary, you tell every evangelist, you tell every choir member, you tell every church member, and every Christian you ever meet, as long as you live, that sin doesn't pay. Sin defiles the heart. And defilement means foulness, dirtiness, unclean. 
He took the child of an infant, and I'll leave it at that. In the scriptures, I'll give you just a couple of verses, and we'll close here momentarily. The Bible says in James 1, 14 through 17, But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Now the word drawn in this scripture, because the Bible says that when he is drawn away of his own lust. And you know what that word literally means? It literally, literally means to be drugged. It literally means that when a man is drawn away by his own lust, or literally drug away, drug away from the principles of the Bible, drug away from the boundaries that God commanded that we set in our heart, and sin literally drags us away with an allurement. And he says, do not error, my beloved brethren. The word error means to roam or to go astray. Then I want to give you my last one tonight, if I may summarize it as they prepare to come to the instruments in closing. If Satan can't get you with these four, he'll try doubt. You see, doubt is a reality. The Bible says in James 1, 6 8, But let him that ask in faith, not wavering. For he that wavereth is like the wave of the sea driven by the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his way. We need to be careful tonight with doubt. Doubt brings on despair. Doubt brings on hopelessness and helplessness. And to despair means to lose all hope. We see no way out, no light at the end of the tunnel, if I may say it that way. The reality of doubt is this. Unfavorable circumstances, unfulfilled expectations, unfulfilled ministry, and unfriendly people. The results of doubt are found in 1 John 1, 4. And these things write unto you that your joy may be full. Doubt robs us of our joy, it robs us of our effectiveness, it robs us of our blessings, and it robs us of many things in the Christian life. And then I've got a couple of minutes, let me give you the last one, deceit. You see, all of these lead to a disconnect. The old prophet in the scriptures in the Old Testament went to the city, and God told him to deliver his message and leave. But the old prophet came into the young preacher found him on the path and said, come back into the city and stay the night. He did, and God killed him on the spot. Deceit. And when a Christian or a person is dece deceived, many are devastated and never overcome. Be sober, be vigilant for your adversary. The devil walketh about his roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. God desires to use us more than anything that we could imagine. But if we allow these tools that the devil uses to get the upper hand and upper advantage of us, we'll be defeated, discouraged, disillusioned. And that's why I believe it's so important and vital that our young people in this generation get a good, rock-solid foundation I've tried to summarize this and condense it tonight. 
But we better pray and we better seek God's will. The Bible says, draw nigh unto God and he shall draw nigh unto thee. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Ask and ye shall receive. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened. I just had it on my heart tonight that God wanted me to bring this message for whatever reason. Tonight, if you're here in any of these areas and maybe many other areas, there's literally dozens of subjects that could be brought into this text. Don't allow Satan to get the upper hand. I'd come to the altar tonight and say, God, I'm giving you my life anew and afresh. Don't allow Satan to get the upper hand. Fathers, we bow before you. I ask you that you'll help us now tonight. May we honor you with our lives, and I pray that, Lord, you'll bless your people, your church. And God, may you help us to give our lives completely to you, to build those foundational stones and that borders and boundaries in our heart that we may not overstep them, that we may serve you all the days of our life. 